If you are a first-time guest, we have connection cards, um, and they're out in the foyer. So if you are new here today, we'd love for you to fill this out. Um, it's just basic information. Um, we would just love to send a nice little note for you saying thank you for coming. And we also would love to give you a gift once you turn it into um, one of our greeters. They would love to give you a little gift bag for you for coming. All right, who's ready to worship? So who's ready to worship, y'all? Stand up, come on. Let's get ready to praise the Lord. Stand up and come up to the front. Come on, don't be afraid to come around the front, gather together as a family. Who believes that with God, anything is possible this morning? Do you believe it? Yeah. There is no shadow. There is no shadow.
you can trust him. He not only suffered on the cross for our forgiveness, but also for our healing, for our peace. Come on, there is nothing like the peace of God. So put your soul and your mind and your worries at rest. Don't neglect that free gift that he's given you. just encourage you for a moment that the storm doesn't last forever and I know it's hard to see that when you feel like you're in the eye of the storm and all you can see is the storm around you but the storm doesn't last forever let me also encourage you day is coming <laughs> the night will not last forever neither does the storm and when we cling to Jesus as our lifeline, man. When we're stuck in that storm and we feel like we're being yanked to and fro from disaster to disaster, from hardship to hardship, I promise you that Jesus is light and in him there is no darkness. The darkness will not last forever. Keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> and I wanna encourage those today who are going through a storm, your storm will not last forever. I know the days seem dark, but I promise you the darkness does not last forever. And darkness cannot last where the light is. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because in him there is perfect love, and perfect love drives out all fear. And 
even in the storm, even in the darkness, we do not have to fear because in his perfect love, there's nothing to fear. Because in his perfect love, neither death nor life can take you out of his hand. And so your living hope literally lives forever, whether in life or in death, what can take you out of his hand. So I want to encourage you today, the storm does not last forever. And neither does the darkness, because in Jesus there is hope. And if you've been struggling through this life in the darkness and the storm, wondering what, where's the hope? There's no hope in this world. I promise you there's not much hope in this world, but there is hope in Jesus. <laughs> there's hope of a life to come where he will restore all things. So, Father, we thank you that you're the one <laughs> who rescues us out of the storm. That you're the one who illuminates the darkness in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our families. And that as we pray for restoration and families in this house, God, we believe that your light will illuminate the darkness. <laughs> and the only place the enemy can be is in the darkness. When you illuminate it, you set us free. So, Father, we just thank you that you're the one who rescues us out of the storm. That you're the one who illuminates the darkness. One more time, I want to tell you, the storm does not last forever. Neither does the darkness. Cling to Jesus. Father God, we thank you, Father God. We thank you that you're the one. That no matter how hard we try, we could never achieve, we could never strive hard enough to free ourselves. But Jesus Christ, you died upon the cross so that we could have freedom, and that there could be life and life abundantly while we experience it here. Even in the storms, we could experience the mercy and grace of God and the love that fills every situation that even in the moments that don't make any sense, we could be a light to those around us. And that when we come out of the storm, we could be a testimony that people who are currently going through the storm, we pass through, that the storm does not last forever. That just as the Lord brought me through, he can bring you through. And I'm here to tell you today, your life is a testimony of the goodness of God. The fact that you have breath in your lungs, the fact that you are alive, and the fact you are here today, you have a purpose. And that purpose is to draw others closer to the one and only name of Jesus Christ. You have a purpose. The storm doesn't last forever. And when he does bring you through the storm, you'll be a testimony for those who follow. Father God, we just thank you for your presence for this time. We're believing for restoration in families, specific families because we know you are capable of all things. You've already overcome the world. Father, we thank you in your name. We're going to transition into our next level of giving our tithes and offerings. So as you prepare your tithes and offerings, Bradley, if you pop up that giving scripture for me, please, sir. You can stand as you get your tithes and offerings prepared. If you'd please read with me. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency 
in all things may have an abundance for every good work. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, you may give. Children's Church. Children's Church will now be dismissed if you would meet Miss Serena at the exit back here. And Bella is very excited. Praise the Lord. <laughs> All right, Children's Church, we love to see the kids excited. Yep, this way, kiddos. Back exit. You got it. You can find out. I believe in you. All right, and now we want to show our honor since it is Memorial Day weekend. If you'd please turn your attention to the screens.
Would you please take a moment of silence with me as we honor the soldiers? Father, I just want to say a special prayer for those who have lost loved ones in the military. Those who have given it all. Lord God, I just pray you be with those families. As I can imagine, this would be an extremely hard weekend for them, Father God, to go back through those memories. So, Father, I just pray you give those families peace and give them comfort, Father God, and remind them that it was a true honor what their family members did. Father God, we just thank you for those who fight for this country because freedom is not free. Lord God, we thank you for the freedom we do have. In the mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Teddy, I think I'm a little bit loud. You know I get loud. Got a big mouth. Thank you. Awesome. Praise the Lord. It's great to have you guys with us this morning. Excited to see you guys. I want to say good morning, everyone. Who, those of you who don't know me, my name is Josiah Hodge. I'm the lead servant and pastor here at Crossroads World Outreach Center. I want to say good morning to everyone who is with us online. It is great to have you guys join us. Uh, we're thankful that you guys take part with us. Everyone in-house, say good morning, everyone online. Good morning. One more time so I can hear you. Good morning. good morning, everybody. It's great to have you guys. Let's see if my clicker is working this week. Probably most likely not. My clicker never likes to work for me. Bradley, if you just flip with me, man, I don't know what's going on. My tech guys who are geniuses can't even get this thing to work, so it is what it is. Bradley, can you go to the next one for me? Once again, this is week two in our series on words. So if you would take a moment and go ahead, go on your Facebook if you have your phones, go on the app or right after service, hashtag words. You can share the video, all right, share the video, hashtag words, or you can quote something from the sermon, hashtag words. We talked about, right, this gets the algorithms flowing so people are seeing what you're posting and they're wondering what's going on at Crossroads because who in here would love to see your friends and family at church with you? Yeah? An easy way, if you're terrified of sharing the gospel with those friends and family, guess what you can do? You can go on Facebook, you can go to Crossroads, you can click share. It takes like 10 seconds to get it out there. Hashtag words as we continue on in our series. Bradley, if you hit that next slide for me, thank you, sir. This week, um, actually the next three sermons in this series, we're going to be dealing with something very specific when it comes to words. And the next three weeks, we're going to be talking about how the devil weaponizes words against you. All right? So this past week, the intro, we talked about the, the science of sound, which is literally when you speak, you are releasing sound waves. The thing about sound waves is that they never actually go away. Sound waves go into the atmosphere and they are there forever. They dissipate sound-wise over time, but the words you speak scientifically never go away. Okay, so you are literally filling the atmosphere with the words that you are speaking. We talked about the psychology of words and how the words you repeatedly hear affect your thought processes, which then affect your actions. And so what we are intaking the most sound wise of media, music, friends we associate with, that is where our thought processes will mainly focus. And so before we got into the spiritual side, we hit the literal scientific side of sound and words. And then I just want to hit on this real quick. We talked about Psalms 141.3, where David says, God put a guard around my lips, 
put a seal over my tongue. And so David, who most of all would know that your words are destructive, considering he was a king and any misspoken word could have caused war between kingdoms, David knew the importance of our words. And so I encourage you all this week, be praying to the Lord that he watches over your mouth because I have always struggled with having a filter, okay? Everything that came to my mind I thought needed to be said, but the more I'm realizing as a leader, as a father, as a husband, my words have more power than I could ever imagine. And so as we go into the next three sermons of our series, today is called The Tempter, and everyone's heard about temptation, and please don't think I'm just going to give you some new revelation of temptation and this is by no means all right, is exhaustive on the topic of temptation. What I want to really hit on today is how the devil weaponizes words against us to tempt us away from the Father. Are we, will you join me in prayer, in prayer real fast? Lord God, we just thank you for this day. I pray that this word you have given me truly starts to transform lives because I believe over these next three sermons, people could truly be set free from the battle in their minds. I believe that we're going to set up boundaries. I believe we're going, to, we're going to dive into the Word deeper than ever before. And I believe that through these next three weeks, people in this church who have struggled and struggled and struggled for years are going to be set free. I truly believe that what you have given me has set me free. And I believe that it's going to continue to set others free because your Word never comes back void. And anytime you speak, it accomplishes its purposes. So, Father God, I just pray you empower me to communicate clearly and effectively today and that we see lives transformed. In your mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. But before I actually get into my sermon, I want to acknowledge two special guests here with us today. My grandfather and grandmother, Joyce and Kenneth Blees. You guys have heard quotes by this man right here for years, and almost every single Sunday someone quotes this man right here. And so all those quotes you've heard, this is the man, the myth, and the legend right here. All right, the famous uh, Kenneth Blees. So we're, I'm excited to have you guys. I was joking with him. I said, how do you preach in front of your hero? Like, so if, if I get a little nervous and stuttery up here, just remember who's up here in the front, all right? Excuse me this one Sunday, all right? But like I said, in the next three sermons, we're dealing with the topic of how the devil weaponizes words against us. All right, how, he, how he manipulates our mind, and also how he uses our flesh. He recruits our flesh on his behalf to help fight that battle against us. But I also want to talk about how there is victory in the name of Jesus, and how he has provided everything we need to be victorious. And some of y'all have been struggling with temptations like myself for years and years and years. And so this isn't going to be so much as you know, spiritual, oh, he didn't get spiritual enough. We're going to be very applicable today. Because I believe if I don't give you something on Sunday you can then use on Monday, then I didn't actually do anything. If I just gave you something good to shout about, but you woke up Monday the same exact person you were Sunday, and you have nothing to apply, then what did I actually do as your pastor? And so we're going to really get in today, how do we battle this? And, I, and we're going to start off with Matthew 26, verse 41. This is our opening into it. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but... The flesh is weak. So I want to first start off by defining temptation and what I mean by that. Because in order to defeat something, you must define it. Because you cannot defeat an enemy. You cannot defeat a threat unless you know what that enemy or what that threat is. So in order for us to crush temptation, we must first define temptation. And so what is it? It's drawing you away from God and enticing you towards something else. It's pretty simple, right? 
It's drawing you away from God and it's enticing you towards something else. And so what temptation does is it shifts your perspective. I need you to understand this. A lot of us know what it's like to walk with Jesus for many years and you're doing great for months and months and months. But it's that one day, it's that one day something happens. It's that one day you let your guard down and what slips in is that temptation. So what does it do? Slowly but surely it draws your attention away from Jesus and it entices you towards something else. So simply put, temptation is merely manipulation. And so I'm going to talk about more what that means, but I need you to hear that temptation is merely manipulation. But there's something I need us to know about temptation that's probably going to make you feel good about yourself. Everyone experiences temptation. Who in here is glad to know you are not the only one, that you're not some evil heathen, that you're not some horrible, terrible person because you face temptation? Scripture says all people face temptation. And so why is it important we talk about this? Because if all of us face it, then it's kind of a problem that we need to address. And I believe that temptation is the first phase that the enemy uses words against us to then get us fully away, which we'll be looking at in the next three weeks. And so what does this temptation sound like? And so everyone who's been tempted knows it can sound like a whisper. It can be that nagging voice in your head that draws you away throughout the day. Or it can be deafening. Scripture says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, that the devil roams around like a roaring lion. Who in here knows that lions are quite loud when they roar? And so temptation, when it's spoken to you, when these words come in, they can be a whisper, that nag, or they can be so deafening you can't take your mind off what's happening in that moment. So let, let's look at some of these subtle temptations. I just wrote some down because this is what I've experienced in my life. You don't need to go to church today. Stay home, sleep in. You had a long week. Subtle. I know you're scheduled to serve at church tomorrow, but you're just tired. Just call out. You deserve this day to rest. I know you felt the Holy Spirit leading you to pray more, but that new Netflix show is calling your name. Who in here knows that one? A lot of y'all better be raising y'all's hand, acting like y'all so holy you don't watch Netflix. Oh. Hey, that, that coworker that keeps talking to you is so cute. Your spouse doesn't have to find out. It's innocent. These, these are some of these subtle things. And so what happens is temptation subtly distracts you from your responsibilities. And so it subtly comes in. It starts to draw you from these responsibilities. Temptation will always draw you to what's easy and feels good, not what you know is the right thing to do. I'm telling you right now, temptation will always draw you to what's easy and what feels good, never to what you know to be the right thing to do. And so these subtle temptations come in and, right, they use words like, oh, it's innocent. Just this one time. Oh, you deserve this. Oh, you need this. And it's these subtle things that start to draw. Yeah, you're right. I do need this. Yeah, you're right. This is better. Yeah, you, you're, you're right. Yeah, this is great. And it's those subtle things that you start to agree with over time. Those words planted in your head that start to draw you away. But let's talk about some screaming temptations. All right, for those of us like me who have had some serious addictions to overcome, this is one that comes at me all the time. Hey, look over here. Remember how you used to love this? Something will pop up. There'll be a word I hear, and it'll draw me back to who I used to be addicted to drugs, addicted to pornography, and it'll draw me back. Hey, over here, right? And it's drawing my attention. Hey, nice, nice, big and shiny. Look over here. Look over here. And so sometimes the temptations are screaming, and it'll draw you back to something you used to love. 
you used to love. You're not there in that place anymore, but it'll bring up those moments of nostalgia. Those good moments you used, those good moments you remember. Hey, remember those great moments you have with that person? But temptation will neglect the fact that that person abused you, that person used you, and that person badmouthed you. But no, temptation won't tell you that because in the moment it's screaming, it's drawing you towards something else. Here's one. You deserve better. Your spouse doesn't take care of you like they used to. Hmm. Your life is way too stressful. You need something to take the edge off. It's just this one time. Hmm. Reading the, reading the Bible is a waste of your time. You have so many other responsibilities. The pastor will tell you everything you need to know anyways. Hmm. Mm, I'm meddling now, ain't I? Hmm. God doesn't hear your prayers. Stop wasting your time. Why would he listen to you? Go ahead, lash out at that person. They deserve it. Remember what they did to you last month? Hmm, these are the screaming temptations that they're not subtle, but they're automatically trying to draw you away from what you know is the right thing to do. So like I said earlier, temptation is simply manipulation. Now let me talk about this. Temptation is manip manipulating you to think that sin is better than the sun. I need you to understand this. Temptation is manipulating you to believe that sin is better than Jesus Christ, the Son. And so what temptation does is it comes and it says, hey, look over here. Look, look at what you can have right now. Look at this instant gratification. Look at what the world can give you. It's so much better because you can have it now. How many of us know we in our culture like to have it now? We love some instant gratification. Let me get rich quick. I don't want to work for it. Let me, get a, let me get a part of that scheme. Let me get a part of that, that Facebook hacking scheme. Let's get people's money, right? We want it now. We don't want to work for it. And so temptation shows you things in the world that look better than the promises of the Son, King Jesus. But let me tell you something about Jesus. Let, let me tell you what Ephesians 1.3 says about Jesus. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ha. Let me tell you something. Temptation will always pull you away into a state of bondage. I'm going to tell you that right now. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's from anger, if it's lust, if it's rage, if it's deceit, whatever it is, whatever that temptation is drawing you towards, I promise you there's only one end result, and that's bondage. And, and I'm speaking from experience. I hope you know this because I've tried it all. And where did I always end up? The same spot, bondage. But guess what the sun tells us? <laughs> the sun says, in me you have every spiritual blessing. What does that look like? That looks like freedom here and now. Amen. Oh man, freedom from sin, freedom from self, freedom from the systems of the world. Jesus says, no, you can be free now. No, the world tells you, no, nah, man, nah, just, just leave that for later. And Jesus says, no, you are redeemed now. You are redeemed by my blood that I died for you to have this freedom, this redemption. But the fact of the matter is sometimes you can say, well, I don't feel free. I don't feel redeemed. I don't feel forgiven past, present, future. I don't feel that way. Let me tell you, I don't feel a lot of things a lot of the time. I don't feel like waking up at 3 a.m. to change my son's diaper and make him a bottle. I don't feel like being a husband some days when I'm mad and frustrated and I want my space. I don't feel like a lot of things all the time, but that does not negate the fact that that is who I am. So let me encourage you today. You may not feel free. 
You may not feel redeemed. You may not feel forgiven. But in Christ Jesus, the scripture says you are already forgiven. You are already redeemed. You are already loved. And so the world is drawing you into this place of bondage. Trust me, I tried it all. The women, the drugs, the alcohol, I've tried everything. Lying to get my way, promotions. It all leads you one place when that is what your life revolves around. Hmm. But everything in Christ Jesus is bringing you to this place of freedom. So temptation says, nah, come over here. This is better. This, this, this is instant. You can get this now. You can get that quick fix. Man, that junk will feel good. In the moment, it feels great. And so what temptation does is it manipulates you to believe that sin is better and greater than the sun. Some of you need to write that down because temptation is manipulation. It's shifting your perspective and your focus to believe something contrary to the truth. It's manipulating you to live and react in such a way. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15 says this. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted. So encouragement, we're all tempted. Each person, every single one of us, none of us is exempt from temptation. Not even Jesus was exempt from temptation. Jesus faced every temptation yet without sin. When they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. So we're drawn away, we're enticed towards something else. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to to death. And so I need to make something clear. We as believers, I want to define our desires. And I want to tell you something very dangerous as a believer that makes you a very easy target. If your desires are Jesus and you're a very easy target. What do I mean by that? If your desire is not Jesus Christ, because he is, let me, let me tell you a secret. Jesus is the prize. Jesus is the goal. Jesus is everything we need. And Jesus gives us everything we need. And so if our desires is Jesus and, do you see how that leaves the door open for temptation? Oh yeah, I love Jesus and I want to do this. I know what the Bible says and I want to do this. And so if our desires are Jesus and, this is a hard place to be because in American society you can have Jesus and do anything else you want to do. I'm here to tell you today that's a very dangerous place to be. Yes, salvation is through faith in Jesus Christ, 100%. Through faith, not through work, so we could never boast about it. But I'm going to tell you, if your desires are Jesus and this, Jesus and that, you are making yourself a very easy target for the enemy. So we need to define our desires as believers. And if you're thinking to myself, oh my gosh, I have those. Can I encourage you? It's okay. Let the Holy Spirit work in you. Pray that the Lord continues to work sanctification in you. But I'm telling you from personal experience that a desire that is Jesus and is a very dangerous place to be. You're making yourself a standing target. Because listen, this is the thing. Temptation is only successful if the enemy is able to get your attention off of Jesus. I need you to hear this. Temptation is only successful if the enemy is able to get your attention off of Jesus. And so if you have a Jesus and mindset, your attention is never fully on Jesus. This is why so many Christians stay stuck in bondage and captivity. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because it's never Jesus, Jesus Christ, be magnified in my body in death and in life. No, it's Jesus. This is great. I want to go to heaven, but I also want to live to the fullest on this life. Do you hear what I'm saying? It's a very dangerous place to be, a Jesus and mentality, because you're leaving the door wide open. Because the only time temptation is successful... The only time temptation fully goes through to its full effect is when your attention is effectively taken off of Jesus. 
And if you have a Jesus and mentality, guess what is really easy to do? Take your attention off of Jesus. Because what, what happens once that and comes in? I want Jesus and the alcohol. I want Jesus and the women. Well, what happens when Jesus is here and the alcohol? Who are you going to choose every time? You're going to choose the alcohol. Why? Because your flesh has been recruited by the enemy. And guess what? The enemy knows what you struggle with. And can I tell you something else? We don't all struggle with the same things. What? The enemy's the one who's been tempting you the whole time. You think he doesn't have a battle plan against you? What I struggle with and what Eddie Chapel struggled with are two different things. The enemy's not going to come at me like he comes at Eddie Chapel. He'd be wasting his time. But he knows me specifically. And so he knows what to throw in with that and. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to know ourselves and what we struggle with because the moment we add the and, it's a very dangerous place to be. I want to talk about three types of temptations that are, not, that are mentioned in Scripture. In 1 John 2.16, there's the lust of the flesh, which is physical pleasures. Simple. Lust of the flesh, physical pleasures. Lust of the eyes, materialism, greed, riches, and possessions. They become our master. That's lust of the eyes. And then finally, we have the pride of life, which what is the pride of life? The pride of life is wanting to be your own master. It's wanting to be your own God. It's you not wanting to submit to what God has called you to. You want to rule it. You want to decide. You want to be the one that calls the shots. So this is the thing. The devil wants you distracted. He wants you distraught, and he wants you disappointed. Well, what do, why do I say that? Because if you're distracted, your attention definitely is not on Jesus. I'm going to tell you right now, do you know what's one of the most detrimental things to Christianity? It's media. If the enemy can get you binge-watching a show, what's all your full attention on? The show. And what happens the moment a naked woman comes on that show? What happens the moment a naked man comes on that show? What happens the moment they start partying and drinking and everything looks like the best time in the world? What's your attention on? It's on that thing. That's why my, me, myself, I've had to be very careful about clearing out some things I watch on media and the amount of time I spend on media. Because the enemy wants you distracted. He doesn't want you cognitive of the things that are going around you. Who, who of us in here knows that what you see is not the only thing happening right now in this moment? There's something called a spiritual realm that's happening around us. And scripture tells us the enemy is always fighting for your soul. Whoo, listen to this. If the enemy can keep you distracted, you'll never live to the full purpose God had for you. I'm going to tell you right now, because every single day God gives us mission. I don't know how many of you live that way. I live that way. Every day I wake up, I know God, God gave me breath in my lungs that day because he had a mission for me that day. But if he can keep you distracted, if he can keep you just working that nine to five, coming home and nothing else, if he can keep you distracted, living off of mission, well, guess what? He's one in his mind because you never became what God had for you. He wants you distraught. He wants you hopeless. Do you understand? He wants you hopeless because when you feel hopeless, you'll do a lot of things that you think will give you hope. I'm telling you, if you have a broken heart, sometimes that alcohol can make you feel like you've got some hope. Why? Because it takes away that thing that's been breaking you. It takes away that thing. Those drugs can numb your senses for a little bit. He wants you distraught. He doesn't want your hope in Jesus. He doesn't want you staying calm when the world around you falling apart. He wants you distraught. He wants you all over the place. He wants you lashing out at people. Why? Because he wants you to isolate yourself. You know how easy of a target you are when you become isolated? He wants you distraught. And he wants you disappointed. Why? Because when you're disappointed, you start to think, you know, I think I deserve better than what I have right now. When your spouse disappoints you, you know, I think I deserve better than what my spouse has given me. When your work disappoints you, when your family disappoints you, you know, I think I deserve better than I'm getting right now. And so he always wants you thinking you deserve better because what will you always be looking for? Better. But not better to, to the spiritual side, it's better to the earthly side. Because you think you deserve something. 
So he wants you, listen to me again, he wants you distracted, he wants you distraught, and he wants you disappointed. And look, that's how he tries to find Jesus. Let's go to Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is the most applicable way I know of in Scripture to talk about temptation because Jesus and the devil are literally face to face. And all three levels of this temptation is brought right before Jesus. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. This is the NIV. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Hold up, that's going to mess up some of y'all's theology, verse 1. Because some of us so sanctified, oh, God would never let us be tempted. No, no, no. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit by the, who? The, Spirit, the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Who in here would be hungry after 40 days and 40 nights? Who besides me gets real hangry? Oh man, my emotions would be, I get hangry, my emotions would be all over the place. And so Jesus is what? I'm assuming Jesus' mind is swirling because he hasn't eaten anything. Who in here gets a little loopy-headed when you don't eat enough? Yeah? So Jesus is distracted. I can imagine he's a little distraught because God has led him here and he knows what purpose God has led him here. And he's been here for 40 days and 40 nights, probably what? Waiting for temptation. Some people say they believe the devil was tempting him every single night of the 40 days. So he's obviously distraught, not that his hope was lost in the Father, but that he's facing so much right now and it's hitting him all at one time. And third, he's probably disappointed it's not over yet. Why? Because Jesus was a physical human being. God and man. So we have to put some humanity to Jesus. He wasn't just hovering. And let me remind you, Jesus was not a white man with strawberry blonde hair. Jesus was a Middle Eastern man. Let me get that straight. Don't get it twisted, all right? So Jesus, our picture of Jesus is very wrong sometimes. So Jesus is in this moment. And look, listen to what the devil, the tempter, the devil, came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. So what is that? That's lust of the flesh. Jesus is hungry. He wants a physical pleasure in that moment to satisfy his stomach. Verse 4, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Can I encourage you, if you don't attend church here or you're currently looking for a church, find a church that's going to feed you spiritually. I need to tell you, man, we got to start learning to feast on the word of God. Just like Jesus said, we do not live by bread alone. It's not just physical pleasures that we live by. We live by the word of God. Y'all better start getting in your word and digesting that into your spirit. Because guess what happens when the tempter comes and you got something for him? He's going to flee. So next time he comes to you, say, hey, look at this physical pleasure. But no, my God says this. Guess what's going to happen? Oh, okay. All right, like, bye. Why? Because scripture says when we cling to God... And we flee from the devil, he will flee from us. Do you understand this? The more we get the word of God inside of us, the less the enemy is going to be able to tempt us successfully. Verse 5, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you. And they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. What is this? This is the pride of life. Why? What did the devil say? If you are, if you are. Yeah, right. You're not who you say you are. And so what is that meant to do? That arises pride in us. Who in here has ever been tested by somebody? Yeah, right. You didn't do that. And what happens? You get prideful a second. Yeah, you buck up that chest. Yeah, I did. Who you tell me I didn't do it? And so he's looking to get a rise out of Jesus. Can we see that? He's looking to get a rise. Jesus, because what? Jesus could do it. He could. At any moment, any of these things he was testing him with, Jesus could have done them. But let's look at Jesus' reply. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Jesus understood he was not his own master, and he had no desire to be. 
Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. What is that? That's lust of the eyes. He shows him everything great in the world. He shows him the kingdom and said, you can have these kingdoms. Just bow down to me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and angels came and detached and, att- and attended to him. Do we see how Jesus fought against these battles? Do we see the intentionality and the discernment Jesus had in these battles? I need us to take note of this. Whenever the enemy came at him with the pleasures, what did he say? He said, I don't live by these pleasures. He said, I don't, these pleasures are not my master. When he came to him, the pride of life, he said, I'm not even my own master. Am I capable? Absolutely, but I'm not my own master. And then when he brought him to the lust of the eyes, Jesus knew that there was something greater in the presence of God than there was in this world. Do we understand this? Do we see how Jesus is deflecting the attacks of the enemy? And so one thing the enemy will try to do, I'm going to tell you this as believers, he will try to manipulate Scripture to say things like this. But you're free to do anything. Hey, Scripture says you're free to do anything. Just as the enemy twisted Scripture against Jesus, he will twist Scripture against you. Guess what else he's going to say? Oh, God didn't really mean that. No, this is a different day and age. God meant that then, but no, he doesn't mean that now. So the enemy, even in modern day, will try to twist scripture against you so that you are more tempted, you are more susceptible to temptations, and it continues to drag you away. But let me remind you of something. If your understanding or revelation of the scriptures does not cause you to look more like Jesus, does not call you, cause you to sound more like Jesus, does not cause you to live more like Jesus, you are being tempted away. I need you to understand this. If your translation of Scripture, if your understanding of the Scriptures does not cause you to look more like the man Jesus Christ, you are being tempted away. I need you to understand this because the devil can even manipulate Scripture to draw you away from the truth. Do we see this? Do we understand this? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There are four important things that we can see. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. All right, number one, it's common to mankind. That's encouraging because everyone faces temptation. You're never going to face anything someone else already hasn't. That's encouraging because guess what? Find that person who's been through the storm, that same storm you're facing right now. Find someone who's been through it, and I guarantee they can help you through that. So all temptation is common to mankind. Number two, and God is faithful. Praise the Lord. God is faithful. He will never leave you deserted. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God is faithful. Number three, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Who is thankful for that? And some of us are like, oh, the temptation is too hard. I can't. No, Scripture promises you he will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. That's encouraging to me because I know every time I'm tempted, guess what I can do? I can crush that temptation. Number four is this. But when you are tempted, this is very important to know, you will be tempted. I need us to understand this is why Jesus said, watch and pray. For the spirit is willing, but the weak is, sorry, the flesh is weak. So he said, watch and pray. Be intentional. Have discernment to watch these things because you will be. He will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So let me encourage you. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Pastor Josiah, what does that mean? I mean, man, pray. Listen, we make Christianity too hard. Pray. Talk to your Father. Read your scriptures. 
Get around people who are going to speak life into you. There are more ways to ingest words than just hearing them. Do you understand what you read takes a huge effect on your mind? Did you know people have been able to create false narratives that have, that have sweeped the globe by books that were false because people read them and believed them? There are more ways to ingest words than just hearing them. And oftentimes, more than not, Jesus said this about our eyes. He said, he said the eyes are the light of the body. If your eyes are darkness, how dark do we understand? How dark is the darkness in you? Because if we're always allowing our eyes to see things that are also unholy, that also aren't, right, it's going to draw us to have darkness inside of us. So I'm here to encourage you today, keep your eyes on Jesus. And like I said, we make that a, hard, a lot harder because oftentimes in Christianity, we want an instant spiritual fix. Jesus, free me right now. But we don't want to think about, about the fact that there's got to be disciplines we put in life to maintain that freedom. Do, do we understand and so we often want an instant fix to something that God's calling us to be more disciplined in our lives. You want, to start, you want to stop having those thoughts? Read your Bible more. I guarantee those thoughts that were once there will be overtaken by greater thoughts, higher thoughts, more holy thoughts, thoughts that make you pure, thoughts that cleanse you, words that cleanse your spirit. So it's important to know this. We fight the words of temptation from the devil with the words of God. I'm going to tell you, man, when I feel those temptations drawing on me so heavily to fall back into the sexual misconduct that I used to, I read passages like this. Write these down. I'm not going to read them. I need you, I need you to write these passages down if you struggle with these things, and they start to pull you away. 1 Corinthians 6.18. 1 Corinthians 6.18 and Galatians 5.16. One thing we need to add as a practice in our lives is when you're being tempted and those words are, are like a barrage at you, you literally need to read Scripture out loud. I mean, speak those things into the atmosphere. When you feel like you're in bondage, guess what type of scriptures you should read? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Where does the Spirit of the Lord live now? Inside of you. So what does that mean? You are free. So when you're struggling with these temptations that the enemy is, is just barraging you with, just attacking you with, start reading scripture out loud. Speak that stuff into the atmosphere in which you live. So we battle the words of temptation with who? The words of God. I promise you, those nagging little subtle temptations, they won't go away with you just thinking, oh, I'll just ignore it. It'll go away later. No, I'm telling you, temptations have to be crushed. Because a temptation that is not crushed will be a temptation that never goes away. And I'm here to tell you, you may, in your flesh, you may be free. Listen, I remember when I, was first, when I was first battling my porn addiction, and multiple times I'd be free for six months. Yes, I did it, but hear what I'm saying. I did it. And guess what happens on six months and one day? Because I never crushed the temptation. I simply put it away. I hid it in a box in shame and guilt and condemnation, and I put it away. Can I tell you a temptation that I need y'all to write this down because some of y'all are playing with some temptations. A temptation you do not crush will never go away. I'm trying to get some of y'all free in here today by giving you some life-giving words. Any temptation you do not crush will not go away. Too long we have played with sin. Too long we have allowed these things to stick around. It's time we start crushing some giants in our lives. And I want to give you some applicable ways in a minute to do that. But any temptation you do not crush will not go away. The enemy wants you distracted, distraught, and disappointed. Why? Because you're an easy target when you walk and live in these types of things. I'm going to talk about some triggers. If you're taking notes, point two is we're going to talk about some triggers. And these are our highest moments of vulnerability. We're going to talk about some triggers. 
There are six triggers that each of us have in our lives that open us up to these temptations. And we're going to talk through these a little bit. These are triggers. These are applicable things that you know about yourself. And when we look through them, you're like, yeah, I do have those things. We all have those things. Let's talk about some trigger words. If you grew up, maybe not the best household, you grew up in an atmosphere that did not encourage you but broke you down, a word like idiot might really set you off. A word like stupid may set you off. It may set you on a road you can't get back from. One word could set you off. There are trigger words. For me, I was obese as a child. I was 270 pounds. When someone even jokingly calls me fat, even today, I fall back into a cycle of eating disorder. So I have trigger words that can set me back. Just one word. People don't know these things. People can't, people can't know your trigger words, but it may be a sexual reference. Someone may say something, a vulgar, crude joke could set you back into a place of temptation you hadn't been in forever. There are trigger words. There are words that your brain over time has associated with certain actions. Do we understand this? There are words your brain associate, associates over time with certain actions. One word, one trigger word. We all have a trigger word. Everyone knows that one thing that can truly set you off. For me, I hate being belittled. If you talk down to me, man, that triggers me. One simple word, like really? You look at me with that face? It's one word could really set me off. All of us have those trigger words. Can we say amen to that? All of us have trigger words. All of us have words that set us off and put us in a place to be tempted. Why? Because that anger comes up. That pride comes up, that condemnation comes up, and it stirs emotions in you that cause you to drift away from the Lord. Let's talk about places. Let's talk about a place. For me, it was any place I could find isolation. When I was stuck in those places of bondage, places usually it, it was the bathroom. And so one thing I don't do anymore, I don't take my devices into bathrooms anymore. Not because I struggle with, not because I struggle with those things anymore, but because I want to crush the temptation. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's places. Think about a place you've been to. Think about a place you still go to that opens you up to be susceptible to temptation. And a lot of the times it's a place of isolation. A majority of you are looking at me like, yes, that is true, because anytime you're isolated, you're what? You're an easy target. Do you understand why this is so important we gather together as the church? Do we understand? Because when you're just watching online every single Sunday, oh, it's fine, I can just watch online, oh, it's no big deal. Guess what the enemy is tempting you into doing? isolating yourself. And what happens when you're isolated? You're an easy target. Let's look at time. For most people, what, 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 is, what is the time that people, what do they say? Nothing good happens after 1 a.m. I think that's the saying. I have found that to be true in my own life. Nothing good happens after 1 a.m., especially not when I'm by myself. So a lot of times there's a time that can trigger you into a temptation. For me, the Lord told me explicitly I need to have more discipline in my life with my, with my regimen of going to sleep and waking up. Because nothing good happens after 1 a.m. And so the fact of the matter is there are times that can open you up to be susceptible to temptation. So you need to evaluate your own schedule and look at yourself. When am I most susceptible to temptation? Usually, I'm going to tell you right now, it's late at night. Because what happens late at night? You're isolated. Do, do we see a common denominator here? Isolation. And so let's look at our mood. All right, so moods. For those of us who get hangry, I, I usually carry snacks with me because I know I'm hangry. I'm going to flip out on somebody. The example, the other day in the office, my wife asked me something. I kind of snapped at her, and I paused. I was like, sorry, I'm hungry. I need to eat something. And I came back, and I was fine, right? And so we need to know the moods, the moods that we get in. If we're susceptible to anger, what happens the moment we start feeling angry? We need to start quoting some scripture. 
Y'all, I'm serious. You got to start speaking into that thing. If you know, if you know you struggle with being frustrated all the time at your workplace, you better start speaking some life into that workplace because certain moods can trigger you into temptations. Can I tell you, there's more temptations than just sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Do we understand that? Because I think sometimes we think of like the three, oh, there's only three sins. No, 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 buddy, there's a lot more. Can I tell you, gluttony is a sin. How many of us stress eat? <laughs> Don't want to get into that now, do we? I stress eat, man. I do it all the time because I've struggled with eating disorder my whole life. Listen, that is also a sin. Gluttony, do you know what gluttony is? Gluttony is trying to fill a void instead of letting God fill that void. You're filling yourself with something you, can, you think you can stop that desire, that longing inside of you. So even that, right, we need to know the moods, right? Our trigger moods. I would even write them down if I was you. If I struggle with anger, I'm going to write anger down for my trigger mood. If I struggle with being frustrated all the time, I'm going to write frustration down. Because oftentimes that frustration is just from a false sense of reality of what we're seeing. If you're frustrated all the time at other people, you probably need to look at yourself and say, wait, what am I doing that's causing this frustration? Do we understand? We need to be looking inward. But write those moods down that you struggle with because, right, I'm trying to help you gain victory over your temptations. We need to be honest and genuine. Craig Rochelle says, you can, never, you can never grow if you lie to yourself. Your leadership will never grow if you lie to yourself. Your life will never grow if you lie to yourself. If you lie to yourself and say, I don't have a problem, but you're struggling every single day, <laughs> you're never going to break free from that temptation. And what did, what did Scripture say? When temptation gives full birth, it leads to death. Let's be serious about this, folks. Let's talk about moments. Let's talk about moments. Trigger moments. Um, for me, this I don't know why my mind associated this. My trigger moment was after I overate, I would go and I would watch pornography. Gluttony and lust, I mean, they run pretty close together. That was my trigger moment. And guess what? I overate all the time. So guess what I did all the time? And so for me, we have to know our trigger moments. What is one moment, something that you associate with? For some of y'all, it may be the moment before bed. You're tired. Your spouse wants to talk to you. You're tired. You don't want to hear what they got to say. You snap at them. You wake up at 3 a.m. Your baby screaming and crying. You're tired. You wake up and you scream at your baby. Y'all, I'm not going to be, y'all, I've done that before. I've gotten frustrated with my, with my baby at 3 a.m. in the morning. So we need to know ourselves. You need to know the moment. Once you see that moment arising, what should you do? You should probably avoid that moment. If overeating leads you into other sins, you should probably avoid what? Overeating. You need portion control. So there are actual easy things we can do to avoid these moments. Lastly, it's people. And this is going to hurt some of y'all because some of y'all hang out with people who are no good for your life. Some of you hang out with people that, that their tongues are just full of poison. They don't speak life over you. They only see the bad in your situation. They want to pull out the problems and how you live, but they don't want to help you find solutions for what you're going through. Some of you need to get rid of some people. That's going to hurt your feelings. Oh, well, we're Christian. We just got to love everybody. I never said don't love them. But I said stop spending all your time with them. Come on now, man. I don't, oh, well, I work out with them. They're great. No, if they're causing you to listen to that, to that trash rap that talks about drugs, sex, and literally basically just... I'm not going to talk about what they talk about women. If that's all you're listening to when you work out with them, you think that's good for you? Come on now, man. Oh, but they motivate me. That's great. But what, what other things are they doing that's detrimental to you and your walk with Christ? Come on now, man. If we're only looking at success from a physical standpoint, my gosh, you might as well go hang out with all these billionaires in the world. But you know what's coming out about a lot of these billionaires in the world? Man, they're doing some nasty, sketched up stuff. So I'm telling you, if your only criteria for friends is that they're successful in this life, you need to reassess your criteria for friends. Y'all better get around some people that are going to speak a life into you. 
When that doctor gives you a bad report, you want someone telling you you're going to die, or you want someone praying for you and speaking life over you? Come on now, man. Y'all got to stop playing with this stuff. Y'all keep leaving these doors wide open for these temptations. I'm over here like, crush those things, man. I'm here to see you free. This is a free person trying to speak to other people who will become free. We got to crush these things. And these six triggers, you have to be honest with yourself about these triggers, these things that trigger you into moments of temptation. And I want to encourage you, remove the triggers. Your freedom is worth removing the triggers, whether that's people, whether that's things you love to do. Maybe you don't need to watch that show anymore. Maybe you don't need to listen to that music artist anymore. Maybe you don't need to go to that place you usually do. We need to remove the triggers. And so my question to you is, what's more important? You need to hear this. Happiness or holiness? Because happiness has plagued the church. Don't do what makes you happy, man. Do what makes you holy. And oftentimes doing what makes you holy is one of the hardest things you could do. I'm going to tell you that right now. Remove the triggers. Remove the triggers. Make it difficult to be tempted. Here's something for you. Wisdom over willpower. You need to write that down. I'm going to tell you, that will set you free. Wisdom over willpower. You may be able to fight the temptation today, but what happens tomorrow when you're tired? Do you hear what I'm saying? You may be able to fight the temptation today, but what happens tomorrow when you're tired? What happens tomorrow when the baby won't stop screaming? What happens tomorrow when work was horrible? Huh. Wisdom over willpower. You are not as strong as you think you are. I'm going to tell you right now, it's coming from someone who was free for six months, then fall right back into a cycle. Wisdom over willpower. Remove the triggers. Last but not least, I'm going to go over our, our main point three is this, how to crush temptations. These are four applicable things you can do in your life. You can start implementing today how to crush the triggers. Number one is with the word of God. Let, let me just read some passages that are really going to help you with this. And let me encourage you. You're already redeemed. You're already victorious in Jesus. You're already free in Jesus. Let me read some scriptures. Ephesians 1.7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. John 8, 36. So if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Y'all better start grabbing onto the promises of the Son and speaking them out loud, because I promise you when you're your focus is on the sun. Everything changes. Amen. So number one, man, y'all need to start with the word of God. You cannot battle the words of Satan with your own words. I'm going to tell you right now, that is a futile effort. Listen, when you can't say the words, open up your Bible and start reading these passages. You don't feel free. Guess what? You are free. You don't feel redeemed. Guess what? You are redeemed. Whose word matters more, your word or the Son of God? Whose word stands forever, your word or the Son of God? You may not feel it in this moment, but I'm here to encourage you, you are. So when the enemy starts to attack you with these words, these triggers, what are we going to start doing, number one? Quoting the word of God. This is why scripture memorization is so important, because what happens if you are in a place of isolation and you don't have your Bible? What are you going to do? I'm telling you, man, we better start quoting the word of God. Number two is this, renew your mind. And what does that look like? Romans 12, 1 through 2. What does that look like? I'm going to say this, change the way you spend your time. Change the way you spend your time. 
Change what you watch. Change what you listen to. Change what you read. There are many ways to ingest words besides listening to them. I'm going to tell you, renew your mind daily. This is a daily effort. Maybe instead of spending two hours on Netflix, you spend one hour on Netflix and one hour in your word. But I guarantee you, the more your focus shifts to Jesus, that desire for Netflix is going to dwindle and that desire for the Lord is going to grow. He must increase. I must decrease. I promise when you make that intentional, you truly will decrease and he truly will increase. And so number two is renew your mind. Man, some of y'all need to go on a full-on cleanse. I mean, some of y'all, social media is detrimental to your mental health. Y'all need to go on a cleanse. I'm encouraging you, get rid of Netflix for one week and see how much happier you are. I'm challenging you. Stop listening to the same artists you do every single day for one week and see how much happier you are. Renew your mind. Get in the Word of God and let it transform your thought processes. Number three is intentionality and discernment. That's why Jesus said, watch and pray. For the Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So what does that mean? That means set boundaries in your life. Man, some of us need to set some serious boundaries of what time we do certain things, how much we do certain things. And y'all, like me, I'm a creature of habit. I also have an addictive personality. I have to be very intentional with how I schedule out my week or I will waste my time on something that does not matter. And like I said last week, we Christians spend far too much time listening to things that do not matter. Do you know God has a purpose for your life? Do you know God has a mission for your life? But if we are not intentional and if we do not live with a spirit of discernment, foreseeing the attacks of the enemy, we will never get where he wants us to be. We will stay distracted, we will stay distraught, and we will stay disappointed. So I want to encourage you, man, just go to bed earlier. Talk to your spouse when you're upset. Read scripture out loud in your home daily. Listen to music that glorifies God. Listen to podcasts that build you up and make you better. Be intentional and have discernment. And my thing is this, always be on the defensive. I'm saying the moment you see that thing come up, crush it. The moment you see that arising in you, crush it, run from it, get away from it. I like to say violently flee. Y'all remember when I said it's a drive-by spiritually. Violently flee from those things. Don't just run from them. You need to be violent towards them. You need to crush them. Stop playing with these things. Oh, it's, it's small. It won't affect me. No, I promise you, small things over time become big things. Crush these things. Number four is this. Remove the triggers. Your freedom is worth giving things up. Remove the triggers. I promise you it may be painful in the moment, but it'll pay off beautifully in the future. Remove the triggers. Those times, just go to bed earlier. Those moments you find yourself in, make sure those moments don't arise. Do you see, when we take proper precautions, all these triggers can be avoided. But when they do arise, what do we do? We speak the word of God. We spend our days daily. Listen, because I'm telling you, if your whole plan is to face each temptation and the moment it arises, you're wrong. You're going to fail. This has to be a preemptive strike against temptation, which means disciplines have to be built up in your life where you're ready to fight these things. Who understands this? Who knows that these four things can help set you free? That passage we read in James, James finishes that passage in uh, James uh, chapter 1 by saying this about temptation. He says, verse 16, Don't be deceived, my brothers and sisters. And this is where we'll pick up with our next sermon in the series, The Deceiver. Will you please stand with me? We're going to pray and then we're going to go into 
one more set of a song. And if you'd raise your hands to heaven with me, as is the custom here at Crossroads, to receive from the Lord. Father, I just pray that my words land on fertile soil, that our congregation took it in, that they're digesting this about the words, the temptations, and how the enemy weaponizes words against us. So, Father, I just pray that we, we now can define temptation so we can defeat temptation. So we can see some of the schemes of the devil in these things and that now that we can define it, we can defeat it. And Father, I pray that you empower us to be introspective and honest with ourselves, that we're able to see the trigger points in our lives and we're able to remove them. And Father, I just pray as we go in our week that these four things that can help crush temptation, that Lord God, more, more than all, we quote your word. We speak the word of God out loud over our lives, over our families, that we will be intentional about renewing our minds daily, that we'll get rid of some things, that we'll set boundaries in our lives, and that we will discipline ourselves accordingly to what you're calling us to do. Father God, I pray you would help us to be intentional and walk in a spirit of discernment to see the attacks of the enemy and how he's trying to build that wedge of Jesus and not fully just Jesus and him be glorified. And Father, I just pray that we remove these triggers. Lord God, that you empower every single one of us to remove the triggers, no matter how painful it is in the flesh, no matter how much we think we're going to miss these things. Father, I just pray we remove the triggers. Oh, Lord God, fill in my spirit. Remove friends. We need to remove friends in our lives that are trigger points. Friends that hold us back from what we know is right. A lot of us in here are thinking, oh, I was raised in it. It doesn't mean it's right. No, a lot of you have families who raised you in the word of God on a foundation of truth, and you have allowed people to come into your life and entice you away from Jesus. It's been Jesus in this, Jesus in this. No, right now in this moment, I feel it in my spirit. God is calling us to remove triggers of people, people that trigger us away from the gospel, people that trigger us away from the foundation that we have built our lives upon. So Father God, in this moment, I pray you give us the boldness and the strength to remove the triggers in our lives, Father. Father God, as we go into this last song, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this word you have given me, and I pray it takes root in fertile soil. In your mighty name we pray. Would you please sing with us?
Father, we give you thanks for the word of God that we've heard today. And I pray that this word will just resonate in our spirit and it'll be with us morning, noon, and night. And we will get a hold of the word of God and put it in our hearts and minds, memorize the word, and we'll realize continued victory in Jesus that way. Bless everyone here. Thank you for all that you do for us, Lord. We love you and we praise you. Now the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen and amen, so be it. Amen and amen, so be it. You know, when that man prays, that so be it is a fact. All right, um, Pastor Betty, you have food across the street. All right, guys, there is food in the uh, outreach pantry. We love you guys. Thanks for being here.